Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Just quickly before this episode gets started, I am going to join Cameo. I know it's kind of silly. I don't know if anybody's going to be interested. I'm going to set up my account this weekend. And if you want a shout out for me for a friend or yourself or a birthday, um, just find me on Cameo. I'll definitely post the information on my Instagram account. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are you? I'm actually, let me just say it. I'm in a great fucking mood. <laughs> I am recording Friday afternoon It's 5 o'clock, which normally I would be either just leaving work or still at work, but we had a big storm last night, and the power line got cut by my office, so I only worked for about 45 minutes today. I went into work, and the power went out. It was great. Thrilled. Love it. I've had an excellent day. I came home. I took notes on my podcast, my podcast, this podcast that I do. Then I went to the pool for two hours, then I went to Target, and now I'm doing this podcast like four hours earlier than I would normally do it on a Friday. So that's amazing. Anyway, uh, so a lot happened this week, obviously, and I had posted a poll on my Instagram. If you're not following this Instagram, please come to feathers underscore pod or follow me on my personal Instagram at BentleyLiz1. I plugged that last week and got like 30 new followers. I thought... I don't know. I figured most people would already be following it. I don't know. But follow me on my Instagrams, especially Feathers Pod, Feathers underscore pod, because I post like a shit ton of content over there, like a lot, a lot. And I posted a poll if people wanted to see a throwback or new episode because I was like really dreading watching the new episode. And I know I had said I was going to watch like multiple new episodes, but like I just I didn't do that. Um, (laughs) I just didn't. And it was actually a little more even than I thought it would be. It was like 60% for a throwback episode, 40% for a new episode. So what I did was I watched the new episode this morning. And I'm going to talk about the new episode, but I didn't write notes on the new episode. So I'm just going to kind of briefly talk about the new episode because I do think, and somebody pointed this out, and they were absolutely right, that this episode, in the context of like Amber's week, was pretty important. It was, I mean... (laughs) It was quite damning to Amber this week and edited in a way that made Andrew seem like the best guy on earth and the best spouse and the best parent. And watching it, like knowing what happened between them was like, so I did watch it and I'm going to talk about it. But then I also did an old episode and I started taking notes on Teen Mom season one, episode two, but it really like not that much was going on in it. And I really liked that episode we recapped last week with me, Amanda, and Troy, which, by the way, I've gotten so much good feedback on it. I'm hoping that Troy will go do a solo episode on Amanda's podcast because their impressions are fucking incredible. As you guys know, I don't do impressions, but Amanda and Troy are both so good at impressions that I really hope she just has him on uh, one of her 
podcast episode so that I can just listen to the two of them riff. I actually might even go back and listen to that podcast because I've gotten so many positive comments about it. And obviously, I don't listen to my own podcast except when I'm editing. So, and I, it was recorded like over three weeks ago now at this point, I guess. I don't know. Whenever we recorded it, I don't remember anything we talked about. So maybe I'll actually be able to enjoy it. Not quite sure of that. Anyway, so I went and I watched an episode in season, oh my god, I in season six, but I just realized I didn't write down what episode that was. So hold on, let me figure it out. Okay, so I watched season six, episode five of Teen Mom 2, which is called Can't Trust Them. You can find that on Amazon, where I got it, iTunes, I'm sure Watch Series or Daily Watch, whatever the streaming thing is called, has it. Um, I know MTV is doing a through Amazon, but I'm sure also through their site. I haven't, like, really dug around in it yet. They're doing, like, an MTV Classics, like, their own sort of streaming service. They don't have all the True Life episodes, which is what you all know I have been demanding, but I know they have some old Teen Mom stuff on there. I'm just not sure if they have all of old Teen Mom. I don't understand. If you're going to make a fucking MTV Classics thing, like, why don't you just put all of your content on there and I'll pay $5 a month or whatever your price is and watch it? I just... I don't, I don't understand. I wonder if they have problems with licensing music in the old Team Mom episodes. I'm not sure. But yeah, so that's what I did. First, we're going to talk news, then I'm going to talk about the new episode, and then I'm going to talk about Season 6, Episode 5. So, the news. Okay, if you don't follow me on my Feathers and My Hair Instagram, which you should, I kind of clarified yesterday in Insta Stories what was going on with Janelle. So basically... As we all know, Janelle is the kids back. And then yesterday, a story came out in which the police apparently are saying that Janelle claimed to have made up the whole dog shooting story for publicity. Now, when I first read the story, it was extremely clear to me that Janelle was lying to protect David. And I think most people understood that when the story first made its way around in the morning... But it was just kind of being reported in, like, their local news and the Ashley. You know, like, us teen mom heads were watching, if you will. And we all understood that, like, Janelle didn't make that story up. We understood that it had been talked about in court. We knew David had admitted to doing it on Instagram when he was like, you would do this too. Um, We knew Janelle had repeatedly talked about it happening. So we all knew that, like, Janelle didn't actually make the story up. My best guess was that Janelle... I mean, maybe. maybe. Okay, hold on. I'm not... Let me get there. So, in the afternoon, people in E! News picked up the story and, in my opinion, reported in a way that was very confusing and didn't give full background context. So, a lot of people were questioning, like, well, where's the dog? Basically, they were like, Janelle... Basically, reporting as a fact that Janelle made up the story for publicity... And so everyone's like, but wait, so where's the dog? Where's the dog? What's going on? And not giving enough context to Janelle. If she really did say that she made it up, it was to cover for David and not because because it, she actually made it up. Does that make sense? Like, I just, I don't think that she, that people in E gave it enough context. And like, so I understand why like non-teen mom heads and even some teen mom heads who just, like, maybe don't follow as closely as I do because they're not insane like I am. I understand why it was confusing. It was reported in a really confusing matter. So, 
basically, here's my guess on what happened. I think one of two things happened. I think that there is a possibility that Janelle never said that at all to the police, which, by the way, she is claiming. She went on Instagram Live today. She... And said that she never said that to the police, that she lied about it. Um, she, like, straight up said to a comment, like, no, that really happened online yesterday. I think I posted that on my Instagram. But basically, here, I think there are two options. I think, one, she never said that to the police and maybe just, like, kind of stopped cooperating. And the police are now telling the media that she said that because they don't want to investigate. They don't feel like investigating. Honestly, this would be a pretty hard case for them to win because apparently, I don't know, Radar is reporting that David got on the stand and said that he, like, shot the dog essentially for, like, the defense of his family and that isn't really illegal, I guess. And I think that the police just, like, don't want to deal with it if Janelle's not cooperating. It's just an annoying case, so... Part of me kind of wonders if the police just, like, made this whole thing up that Janelle told them that she did it for publicity (laughs) and or that Janelle told them that she lied and or 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 they went to wait. I'm sorry. I'm like getting ahead of myself in my head. So I kind of think it's possible that the police are basically making this up and that they just don't want to investigate, but they needed to give a reason to the media, and they said, oh, well, Janelle told us she was lying, and she was lying for publicity. Option two, Janelle went to, when the police interrogated her about this, interrogating is probably not the right word, because technically she would be the reporting witness, because as we all know, um, the dog was shot on a Monday, and on Wednesday, once it hit the media Tuesday night, Janelle made, did make a police report about it. So it's possible, you know, they went to her while investigating and she said, oh, actually, like, I lied about that. I didn't see anything that happened. I didn't know what happened. But, like, I made I made a police report because, like, I was getting so much public pressure about it. But, like, I, I didn't actually see it happen. I don't know what happened. And then the police took that and then told the media that she was lying. She said she lied for publicity, but, like, she didn't really say that. Like, it's very possible she said, like, well, I was getting so much heat, so I, like, made the police report so I wouldn't look so bad. And they kind of twisted that into saying that she lied for publicity. Now, I can high-key believe that Janelle, once the police started investigating, that she was like, oh, well, I don't actually know what happened. I wasn't telling the truth there. Because Janelle is, as a witness, basically the biggest piece of evidence against David would be her testimony that David killed the dog and that she had first-hand knowledge of it. So it's like any domestic violence, you know, the victim, whether Janelle's a victim here or not, I can't get into it at this exact moment. But like any domestic violence case, like if there's really, or any sort of assault or even like in a sexual assault case, you know, if there's really only one, the person that's the victim is the witness that's like all the evidence and if they're not cooperating the police and then the state prosecuting has a very hard time building a case because it's just this one person that holds all the evidence basically in their testimony so i can definitely see once the investigation kicks off janelle and david have made up she's already getting so much bad press anyway the kids have been taken like she's just like nah fuck it like I mean, I lied. I told you that I saw him shot, shoot the dog, but I really didn't see it. I have no fucking idea what happened to the dog. And I just reported it because I didn't want to look bad. 
I could really see that. Or I could see her possibly saying, like, I lied. And then the cops saying, well, why did you do it? And she said, I don't know. And they said, well, did you do it for, like, attention and publicity? And she was like, well, yeah, because Chanel will kind of agree with what people say, even if she doesn't really believe it. And then there were, then they go to the police and say, well, we close, or the media, and then they say, well, we closed the investigation because Janelle told us that she did it for publicity. I just find it very hard to believe that Janelle straight up said, like, I lied about this and I did it for publicity. It just doesn't seem that likely to me. I think the most likely case is that Janelle told them that she lied about it and did it because she didn't want to look bad in the media. Which is different than say, than lying about it for publicity because the way people in E! What I think was so confusing is that they were reporting it like Janelle came out and said like, well, I just wanted attention so I like told the police that David killed my dog. And if you don't know, like me, like a lunatic, all of the sequence of events of what happened, it really could look like, holy shit, did this whole story come out because Janelle wanted attention by saying her husband killed her dog? But... That's not the way the story broke. Janelle didn't actually report this to the police until we had a full 24 hours of, like, constant press press on the Ashley and a little bit on TMZ and a lot on Reddit and Twitter. But until we had, like, this constant press coverage, you know? So for the idea that Janelle would lie about a publicity, that doesn't actually make sense because this was, like, already crazy, crazy huge. We didn't actually find out about Janelle calling 911 to report it until I think the next week. That didn't come out for a little while. So there was no publicity to be had by Janelle calling the police. She absolutely could be making herself look better by reporting it to the police so that when people are like, well, why didn't you report it to police? She could be like, well, I did. (laughs) I think that's what happened. And so, but if you didn't know, right, that like the way that we found out about this was that radar found out, or the Ashley, but I think it was Radar broke the story very, very initially, that a gentleman that we still don't know the identity of, I don't think, had called 911 to report that the dog was killed, then you could read the story from People Are E and be like, holy shit, Janelle made up this story about her dog getting killed? Well, I saw so many comments like, where's the dog? Where's the dog? Where's the dog? And it's like, the dog is dead. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but like, the dog is dead. Janelle didn't make up shit for publicity. She just went back on the police report because she didn't want to be the state's witness. Okay, I hope that made sense. If that doesn't make sense, I don't know what to tell you. Next. Oh my fucking God. Amber Leanne Portwood. Why do I know all these teen mom's middle names, guys? (laughs) I happen to know that Leanne is Amber's middle name. Because they named Leah, Leah Leanne, so that she would have the same middle name as Amber. And it's crazy to name your child Leah Leanne. But they did. (laughs) And Leah Leanne Portwood is named that, or Shirley is named that because Amber's middle name is Leanne. So I know Macy's middle name. I know Amber's middle name. Janelle is Janelle Lauren Evans. I guess I don't know many. Leah's Leah Dawn, but that's like her Instagram handle, so that's a little easy. I guess I don't know that many of their middle names. I mean, that's already too many, knowing their middle names, right? <laughs> I don't think I know Farah's. I don't think I know Kate's. Farah's is probably like Marie. I don't think I know Kate's. I don't know Kale's. 
I don't know if Kale has a middle name. Can't you see Kale not having a middle name? And I don't know Chelsea's. Chelsea's is probably Murray also. Okay, anyway. Amber Leanne Portwood. Okay. So, at first, it starts being reported that Amber threw a shoe at Andrew. Which, why who's holding the baby? Which, not great. Still not great. You know, some people are like, well, was it just a shoe? Did she actually hit him? Then, it comes out... (laughs) It's so fucking insane that Amber keeps a machete in her home, which somebody DM'd me and said, do you think maybe Matt bought her that machete? Because you know how Matt had, like, his boy stuff all over their house? Like, he had... Matt would buy so much shit. Like, remember he bought all those, like, guitars, and he would, like, hang up his pictures, and all... He was really into, like, memorabilia, and they would buy all that shit in Vegas. Like, I... Yes, I guarantee you Matt bought her that machete. Now, Amber is a felon. She cannot own a gun in her state. So, apparently, she keeps a machete in her home for protection, which is terrifying. So, basically, the police report came out. First of all, Andrew has filed for, um, well, he filed to establish paternity, which is usually often a necessary step when you are not married. Basically, in most states... like getting bogged down in legalese if you will but essentially like if a couple is unmarried often uh, the father will have to establish paternity now sometimes it's incredibly simple it's just in the hospital you sign the birth certificate and then you sign like an affidavit of paternity and you have full parental rights but sometimes in some states especially more southern states or midwestern states uh there has to be an extra step where the courts, uh, you have to petition the court. And it's a pretty easy step, especially if you're already on the birth certificate and it's not being contested. You don't have to do a DNA test or anything like that. Basically, you just like ask the court to recognize you as the legal father so you can have full legal rights uh, because you're not married. And if you are married, you are the presumed father with full legal rights. In some states, such as, I know this is the case in South Carolina, And I remember that being a thing with Nathan and Janelle. And I really know this from Catherine Dennis and Thomas Ravenel. But in the state of South Carolina, if a couple is unmarried, the mother has full parental rights. And the father has to go to court to establish any sort of legal rights if they're not married, which is pretty rare. That's not really the case in most states. And it's kind of left over from the times of... When, like, men would have babies out of wedlock, even though they were married, then they couldn't be, like, held to the responsibilities of being that child's father. It's kind of like a leftover from that. But anyway, where was I? Oh, so Andrew established, filed for establishment of paternity, which should be nice and simple. I saw some people being like, well, he needs a test because it might be Matt's, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not about a paternity test. It's about legally establishing your rights as a father and then he what did he do oh then he filed for emergency full custody um I mean that's great I'm obviously rooting for Andrew although like I can't help but think of those restraining orders and multiple arrests and drug abuse history he has 
I just can't not think of it. I've always, as I've said on this podcast a million times, like I've always thought something was not right about Andrew. I don't really trust Andrew, but I think it's obvious in this case that Amber is the abuser here and Amber is absolutely incapable of caring for a child and that going with Andrew is the safest way for baby James. Um, And no contact order has been established by the court. But let's get into what happened. According to Andrew's court affidavit, this is so awful. It was 4th of July. They were planning on going out to see the fireworks. There was a ton of traffic, so they couldn't get there. So they get into like a huge fight. Amber picks a huge fight, which, yeah, that that tracks. Uh, I guess Andrew then drops Amber off at home. It's probably, I mean, the fireworks started for us, actually. The fireworks this year started at precisely 9 o'clock, which was amazing. I love that. Although I will say like a 920 to 930 start is significantly better because then it's fully, fully dark. But as somebody that likes to go to bed, you know, at 11, I like a 9 p.m. start. But let's say this is like 930, 945 that he drops her off. Apparently then he drives around for hours with the baby in the car waiting for Amber to calm down. He gets her gift. He buys her food. All, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about where he stopped to get her food and where, what gift he got her. Um, continuously calling her to see if she's calmed down. Eventually, he and the baby return to the home in which they get into more and more fights. Uh, apparently, he she hits him several times with her hands. He said he couldn't remember if it was closed fist or open fist, but he she was hitting him. Um, then she hit him with a shoe. Then at one point he had the baby. I'm assuming the baby wasn't asleep because they were screaming at each other. And Amber got what he said, a look in her eye as she took the sheath off the machete. Guys, I I can't. I truly cannot. He then, I guess they're in the bedroom or somewhere, and he uh, goes into another room and she tries to while he's holding the baby and she tries to kick down the door and then is hacking at the door with the machete. She apparently was able to get the top of the door off its hinges, but, you know, thank God Andrew is the size of Hagrid and is, was able to keep the door closed with his body up against the door. I mean, I just, like, I just can't stop thinking about him holding the baby with his body up against the door <laughs> as they are... As they, as Amber is kicking the door as hard as she can and hacking at the door with a fucking machete. A machete. That's so scary. It's so scary. First of all, I want to say, thank God, Janelle, or Amber, (laughs) I almost said Janelle here and you'll know why. Thank God Amber cannot own a gun. Like that is number one. Thank God James and Andrew would possibly be dead if Amber owned a gun. This is why guns in homes are so fucking scary. This is why I'm so anti-gun because imagine if Amber in that situation had a gun and she was able to shoot through that door and hit Amber or hit Andrew or James. First of all, that's so scary. Uh, Or she shot herself. So, 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 just so scary. Um... Of course, her brother, Sean, Bubby, was tweeting, like, you know, it's not all true. You guys just just believe this because of her past and it fits your narrative, which he's not wrong. Like, the reality is, is that 
we don't know 100% that this is all true because it's just Andrew's statement. Like, we don't know. And we are all 100% willing to believe it because we know Amber's history. So I don't, I don't think Sean is wrong, but, like, I personally believe Andrew's statement. Um, Andrew is not all right, but I don't think he could make that all up. Amber got a lot of charges. I think she has six charges. I guess he was granted emergency custody. I don't know if we heard that he was or wasn't. It was supposed to take place the same day as the arraignment, which I believe was on Wednesday. I just, guys, the machete. I just cannot stop thinking about the machete or what Amber was going to do when she got through the door with that machete. Um, You know, I've always talked about the fact that I think Amber will kill herself, and it's sad and dark, but it's just what I see. I see Amber. You know, it's so, it's not funny, but I know everybody focuses on Janelle and David killing Janelle and Janelle or Janelle overdosing or whatever, but as you guys know, like, I've my dark ending has always been pinpointed on Amber and thinking that that could be something that happens to Amber. And I, I will say, though, I never really thought about her murder-suiciding. And now I'm thinking a lot about her murder-suiciding. I'm not sure why I wasn't thinking about it before because she is an abuser and she does have an extremely long history of domestic violence. But... Uh, it's just, it's so, like, what the fuck was she going to do if she got through that door? Was she going to cut Andrew? Like, was she then going to cut herself? A machete? Guys, it's just, it's so scary. It's so scary that baby James witnessed that. I'm proud of Andrew that there is now a no contact order that he's apparently sticking to and that he's, you know, taking the steps to protect James. I think that's that's I, it's bare minimum, but in Teen Mom world, it's pretty admirable. <laughs> uh, Gary and Christina went to court with Amber, which okay. On the one hand, is like I I don't know. I think it's pretty. Amber is extremely lucky to have them. I think it's it's pretty beautiful in a way that Gary and Christina clearly clearly think of Amber as their family. And she is because she's the mother of Leah. But they clearly deeply care for her and have an unconditional love for her, right? Because if this didn't push them over the edge, I don't know what would. And I think it's regardless of what Amber did, I mean, having a support network is the only way that she'll ever get better. Um, If it's if it is possible for her to get better. I don't know. I'm struggling a lot with how to talk about this because I know if this was a male abuser, I would not be like, well, you know, he has borderline personality disorder and he just needs to get treatment and maybe he can be better. Like, I just don't think like that when it comes to men and abuse. And I do think like that when it comes with women and abuse. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And I I don't think it's right, actually. I don't think it's right that I have so much empathy for Amber when I have no empathy for David. You know what I'm saying? And, like, if it was Andrew that did this to Amber, I would have no empathy for Andrew. But for Amber, and I think it's because I've watched her struggle for so long and it's been so hard and frustrating to watch, I have a lot of empathy for her, even though she's an abuser. And it absolutely has to do with her being a woman. And I think anybody that would say differently is lying like it's a hundred percent because she's a woman and her victim was a man and listen guys like we're all living in this patriarchy and we're all every day unpacking 
what misogyny does to us and how the patriarchy shows up. And a lot of times it's internal for us women. And I do hold men and women to different standards in situations like this. And it's not great, but it's my truth. And I think it's the truth for a lot of people. And it's, it would be like silly of me to sit here and pretend that I would feel exactly the same way if the genders were reversed, because I wouldn't. I know that for a fact. And I do have empathy for Amber, and I think it's maybe misplaced empathy, but it it is what it is, and it's there. And I think it would be an inauthentic podcast if I didn't admit that and, like, didn't try to unpack that a little and didn't explore that, because that's not my truth, and I think that's not why you guys come to this podcast. And if you are offended by what I'm saying in that, like, I have empathy for her, and you're offended because she is an abuser, like... I 100% understand why you would feel that way. Because I know if I was listening (laughs) to someone talk about David and be like, well, I hope he has a support system because I hope he gets the help he needs. I'd be like, wow, you should go fuck yourself. So I completely understand, like, if you are listening to this and you don't, and you're like, this is a bad take, like, there's room for that here. (laughs) Like, that is 100% valid. Like, This is me validating you feeling that way because I'm feeling that way a little bit about myself. But I also think the beauty of this podcast, if you will, is me talking openly and honestly about my takes on this show. And if I like sat here and took this hardline approach, I don't think that would be me giving you my authentic take. And what's the point of me doing a 17 hour a week team on podcast if I'm not being authentic, right? And I've also like repeatedly said that this podcast is a place where I try and look at almost everything through the most empathetic lens that I can because to me, I don't know, every other teen mom reporter or podcaster or writer that I've ever experienced always is so negative in how they look at everybody. And as you guys know, I'm an extremely negative person in general, and I definitely have a lot of negative views. But I I think it's more interesting to look at things and hear things from a place of empathy. And I try and walk a line between having empathy for Amber and an understanding of Amber's situation and being too forgiving. And I'm not sure where I fall on that. And I'm not sure how I navigate that, to be honest. And I think if I'm honest about it, I think that I'm being too forgiving of Amber. I mean, she attacked somebody with a machete. Well, she didn't get to him, but she attacked the door attempting to get in where her significant other was holding her son with a fucking machete. And I'm here like, well, I'm really glad Gary and Christina showed up because she needs support and I hope she goes to treatment. Like that, that's kind of crazy that I feel that way, but I do. I should stop apologizing for how I feel. But I don't know if you guys, obviously you can always DM me. Um, I encourage you to come to my Instagram comments when I post about this episode and let me know if you're feeling the same way. I think a lot of people, based on what I read online, are feeling really similarly. I think, obviously, I think it's 100% valid people that just, like, have no sympathy or empathy at all for Amber and her situation and want the book thrown at her. I think that's, I 100% get that. And I also 100% get, obviously, people who are where I am who want Amber to be held to you know, to be held accountable, but at the same time, they want her to get help because they want her to be better. And I'm working my way through gender stereotypes and how the fact that, you know, male victims don't get the respect that they deserve in these situations because we don't view men's pain as the same as women's. It's, guys, (laughs) oh, 
it's a whole thing, right? It's a whole thing. And I, I hope that other people can understand why I'm here and why this is like hard for me to talk about in a way. Um, I think a lot about the stuff that I put out on this podcast and what point of view I want to put out and I don't want to offend anybody, but I also need to stand in my power as one Leah, Leah Dawn would say. So, yeah, Gary and Christina were there, which, as I said, I think is good because Amber needs the support. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't know. What are they exposing Leah to? How exposed will Leah be? At what point do they say to Amber, like, we cannot support you if you do not go to treatment, like a long-term treatment facility where you maintain complete sobriety and get serious mental health help? Um, Oh, also in the police report, I forgot about this. Andrew said that Amber threatened to kill herself took a handful of Klonopin, so we know Amber has Klonopins, again, not great. Um, He said that he was going to call 911 to get help because she was trying to kill herself, and so she threw up all the pills. Like, that's, that's, it gives me the chills. It's so bad. It's so bad. So, you know, at what point do Gary and Christina say, like, hey, we love you as Leah's mother, we want Leah to be in your life, but, like, none of us can be in your life until you get serious about getting better, and what is your plan to get better? So, yeah, that's that's it with Amber, that's it with Janelle. What a crazy week, right? Let me get into recapping the new episode right after a quick break. Okay, so... Here's my note list version of this week's episode. Kate, so proud of her. Guys, Kate is having a banner season. I think she's doing incredible. I do think maybe they could get Nova into some therapy. I think Nova's obviously having some issues with attachment. I think that it's kind of weird that Kate and Tyler don't acknowledge why she flips out when mommy leaves. Like, they're like, well, dad leaves and she doesn't care. And it's like, well, because dad doesn't live for, you know, two six-week periods back to back. I think that it's pretty obvious why she has such an attachment issue with Kate. I think it's okay that she has an attachment issue with Kate. I think that she will absolutely grow out of it and it won't be a huge deal. But I do think that they could use a little bit of maybe some family therapy for Kate and Nova to maybe work on that attachment issue a little bit. And I would like to see them acknowledge why it's happening. I think it's weird that they just, like, don't talk about it. But in general, Kate seems happy this season. She seems energetic compared to how she has been in the past. She seems like an up and atom. She's definitely taking care of herself better. You know, she even said, like, I'm cleaning the house. I'm getting dressed. Like, she seems to be in a really good place, and I'm proud of her. And I don't think, like, whatever. I don't think the tantrums are, like, that big of a deal. I think that she'll get over them eventually. So I found Amber really compelling on the trip when she was being there for Amber and told Amber she had to get back on her meds. Uh, I saw a lot of people talking about Kate not drinking on her meds. I don't know. We don't know what antidepressants she's on. We have no idea what medicine uh, Kate is on. Most people drink with their antidepressants. I doubt she was, like, I think it's, Obviously not ideal for most people, but I think it's fine if Kate has some drinks with her antidepressants. Truly, for me, don't really care that much. That's, like, not even worth commenting on for me. I don't know, like, anybody who doesn't drink on their just, like, regular antidepressants. Now, antipsychotics and Amber, yeah, it's a little different. Okay, Cheyenne, 
I just don't care about Cheyenne, like, being scared to open up to the girls. Like, literally could not care any less. Just don't care. Hard, hard, hard don't care for me on Cheyenne bonding with the other girls. Cheyenne is really pretty, though. I really liked her braids this episode. And, like, she looked good. And, like, she had them in little buns, little space buns at one point. And I was like, oh, that looks cute. Macy is really... I mean, Macy's, like, an energy sucker for me, which is funny that, like, she was such a party girl and had so many friends because I feel like Macy really sucks energy out of the room. (laughs) (sighs) I thought it was, like, I know, obviously, I know this is MTV paid for, MTV produced, MTV planned, but I did think it was nice that Cheyenne was there and that all four of them went because they could have definitely, like, been like, well, we just want the three of us to go to celebrate. And I did think it was nice to bring them all together. I thought it was like a good vibe, I guess. They were in Boca, about 15 to 20, well, 20 minutes away from where I used to live. Used to go to Boca a lot. So that was great. Um, they went to the drag show was at Lips in Fort Lauderdale, which is like probably the biggest drag bar in South Florida, right? I would say. Um, so that was nice. Now, Amber yikes 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 on amber on this trip so it starts off with amber just being like really weird um they're at the grocery store and she says she has an anxiety attack at the grocery store then of course we find out later she's like not on her meds and it's like well no shit that she has anxiety although i did think it was interesting that she said I'm just not used to going out with the cameras because I don't go out with the cameras anymore. And I hate that feeling of being out with the cameras. And I was like, okay, that is definitely legit. Like, I would probably feel the same way. I understand why she doesn't like being out with the cameras, especially if she doesn't usually go out with the cameras. Which, now that I think about it, like, she definitely doesn't. Almost all of their filming is at home, obviously on her couch or in her bed. And... Or, like, at Gary's or at, like, a kid-based place, not just, like, a grocery store. So, I understand why she feel, like, felt overwhelmed in that situation. But what I found particularly annoying, hard to empathize with, is Amber has what we call in AA a case of terminal uniqueness in which she truly thinks, like, she is the only person in the world who has ever felt the way that she's felt. She thinks she's the only person with anxiety. Like, nobody else can relate to Amber. Nobody has any idea what it feels like to have anxiety. And that's, like, frustrating to watch, and I would imagine frustrating to be around. And she's like, instead of talking to the other girls about, like, hey, does this give you anxiety, like, being out with the cameras? Because they're all, like, some of the only other people in this world that can relate to Amber in the specific situation that she's in. Um... Instead of that, she just talks about her, 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 her. Amber's a very, very self-centered person. And I would say that's probably one of her worst qualities is just like everything is about Amber all the time. And even when she's saying that she doesn't want it to be about her, it's about her. Like she'll start, like, I think in this episode she like started crying that she was, you know, ruining the trip and she didn't want to ruin the trip. And it's like, Yeah, well, you're, like, ruining the trip now when you're crying about ruining the trip. (laughs) So, basically, she has really bad anxiety the whole time. She calls Andrew. Andrew is, like, super supportive and tells her just, you know, stick it out. Everything will be okay. Try and be happy. He sends her flowers. 
to make her feel better. They really, like, this whole episode is about how good of a guy Andrew is and how she's so lucky to have him. Um, At one point, Kate says, well, you know, like, even at your worst, I was, like, uh, texting with Andrew to see how you were. And Amber was like, you were? And she's like, yeah. And, like, you know, he would tell me how you're doing. And Amber starts crying because I think she genuinely, like, can't believe that she has a boyfriend that cares that much about her that he would talk to Kate about her, like, in a positive, caring, concerning way. Like, I think that's, and that's sad. At one point, she even says, like, this, it's really hard for me to accept his love because, like, I don't understand how to. And Cheyenne is like, yeah, you have to, like, learn how to accept love like that. And, like, to me, that's very sad. And obviously, it's a trait of, I would assume, a borderline personality disorder and just her lifetime trauma and not having very affectionate and loving parents and then having abusive emotionally boyfriends and being in relationships or she's abusive and I would bet that like you know she would have like the love bombing with Matt like I think Matt was a love bomber and if you know what love bombing is it's where you like give so much love and attention to someone as a way to manipulate them and she was probably, like, used to that, like, over-the-top crazy love. But with Andrew, it's probably, like, an everyday, day-in, day-out supporting partner love, which I don't think it was like that with Matt. I'm writing fan fiction right now, by the way. I don't know if this is how Andrew is, but this is what I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm, like, giving too much an- credit to Andrew right now. I think I am, but I just have to go with the way it was presented on the show for this conversation. And I would guess that that's very hard for Amber to understand or accept. I'm not saying Andrew's perfect. I think she just, like, has no clue what to do with, like, a genuine partner. And I do think Andrew, like, is her genuine partner in life. And I think that's, like, really hard for Amber. Um, So we, we find out on the beach that Amber is not taking her meds so that she can drink. And Kate is like, what? <laughs> Kate's like, you should take your meds. And Amber's like, well, I'm in withdrawal. And Amber, Kate's like, yeah, like, you should, you should definitely take your meds. And Amber even says, like, Andrew would be so mad at me if you found out I was doing this. Um, I know Andrew said in his court, uh, his, like, petition for emergency custody that Amber's unable to provide a stable home because she can't stay on her, like, mental health medicine. Um, And as I've said a million times, like, medicine is clearly not the only solution that Amber needs. While obviously she does need antipsychotics, like, she desperately, desperately needs DBT. So, Kate tells Amber to take her meds. uh, And then there's another scene the next day in which Amber, like, can't get out of bed. And I thought this was so sweet. I'm, like, just so hardcore Team Kate this year. It's kind of crazy to me. Because I don't think I normally have ever really felt this way about Kate. Um, But Kate goes into Amber's room and she's like, how about you set an alarm for five minutes and you spend the next five minutes meditating or doing deep breathing and then take your meds and then you can get out of bed and we'll have a good day. And I think that was just so validating for Amber. I don't think Amber, because she doesn't have any friends because she only ever has significant others around her. I don't think Amber ever has people that, like, validate for her how she's feeling. Um, I would imagine Andrew kind of tries to be one of those people who's like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, all the time. Or it's like, you need more vitamin C, babe. 
Like, I think he's that type of person. I think for Kate to come in and be like, okay, do some deep breathing, and then we'll get out of bed. I don't know. I just think to have that coming from a friend, which I don't think Amber really has, was probably really nice for her. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's crazy that this episode aired <laughs> the same week all this domestic violence stuff happened, because I think that MTV was definitely setting us up for this idea that Andrew is kind of the caretaker in their relationship and is really helpful and amazing and is changing Am- Amber's life. And then, you know, you see what happens. So, yeah, that was kind of all my thoughts on this week's episode. It was incredibly boring watching them on vacation. But I am curious to see how Amber's... If Amber's still going to be on the show. There was an MTV producer at court, apparently. uh, But no cameras. They're not filming. But they will film if something major is going on. And I'm just really curious if Amber's going to stay on the show. I still think that Amber may quit. That she she cannot deal with this. Although... If she quits, how's she going to pay for her lawyer? Because Amber uh, probably does the least amount. I think she does do clickbait, but she doesn't really do a lot of, like, social media influencing. So I don't think she's, like, a huge, huge... I mean, probably, like, three times what I make in a fucking year revenue stream coming from there. But I think Amber has a very expensive lifestyle. I mean, she her cars, her home, her shopping, I think she spends a lot of money. So... Now she's going to have to pay for this lawyer, and I'm really curious. Like, I'm not sure what to expect from this. The reality is is that she is a convicted felon who had multiple probation violations in the past as a history of substance abuse, went to prison for 18 months or whatever it was, 16 months on a three-year sentence, and this is the exact same crime that she committed before, except now there's also, like, a weapons charge involved. Uh I think it's, like, reckless conduct with a weapon or something. It's not... People are asking why she didn't get an attempted murder charge if she was going after him with a machete. But for it to be attempted murder, you have to prove intent to murder. So, it's not attempted murder. But she did get a weapons charge. James was in the home and present for all of this. So, I'm not sure what it's going to shake out for her. I think she could get anywhere from probation to more jail time. I think she's probably going to have to plead guilty I, to another felony. I I mean, I don't know what Indiana's habitual felon statues are like. I, uh, mm, I, it's not great. It's not, it's not great for Amber. This is like really serious what she did. And these charges are really serious. And because they're the exact same charges that she faced before, essentially, I don't know how favorably the DA and then the judge is going to look upon her. And, um, you know, if Andrew really does stay away from her, and this is the end of Amber and Andrew, and he is a full wit, like testifying witness and a full, that's not, not testifying witness, a full cooperating witness is the word that I'm looking for. If he's a full cooperating witness with the state and he gives credible testimony, like, <sighs> Amber's, I mean, this is probably one of the most serious teen mom arrests that we've seen. And, con- like, this could be a very serious consequence for Amber. But it could be that she just gets probation, anger management, parenting classes, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see. But I I don't know. Usually when a slub gets arrested, or anybody I know gets arrested, I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, they'll plead out. It won't be that big of a deal. But I, I'm not sure about this one. So, 
Yeah, that's it for this week's thoughts. Let's recap this throwback episode. Just really quickly, I want to plug Oreos Carrot Cake Oreos. They're so fucking good. I can't stop eating them. Although I will say I wish they made a thin version because I think Oreo Thins are the perfect cookie. I'm fucking obsessed with the thin salted caramel Oreos. They're so good. They didn't have them at Walmart this week and I was craving Oreos. So I got these carrot cake ones instead and oh, they're really good. Anyway, I had a realization today. And my realization was that although you guys all know I'm like the biggest Janelle head, I think Janelle is the star of the show, et cetera, et cetera, the show was actually the best when Leah was a fucking whack job and when Leah was really bad and when Leah was deep in her addiction, that's when this show fucking thrived. Like Janelle is amazing. (laughs) Janelle is amazing. You guys know what I mean by that. Janelle has amazing drama at this point. Chelsea's mm, getting a little boring. Chelsea's veering into boring. Kale and Javi have good drama. Like, good drama. I love this episode for them. But Leah is the star of this fucking show when she's messed up. And when I was watching, as I said, I watched season one, episode two for a little bit. Guys, I took notes on, like, half of an episode and was like, you know, I don't really want to recap this. And because I had the day off and was in such a good mood, I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to watch a different episode. And I did. That's extremely rare for me to do something like that for this podcast. <laughs> but Leah was really boring in the early seasons, I always thought. Because you guys know I don't care about like people being happy and good I care about them being fucking messes. And Leah being off her skull is such good TV. And it's such good drama. But let's start out with Chelsea. I'm just going to talk about Chelsea quickly. Um, One thing that I did want to say is that Chelsea has gotten so thin (laughs) since this episode. And she was thin in this episode. But I was like, oh my god, Chelsea's really thin right now. Okay, moving on from talking about Chelsea's weight. um, The episode starts out with... Cole and Chelsea doing a dirty dancing jump. Do you guys remember when they did this? I don't ever need to see something like that again. It was, uh, whatever. But then we get Adam and Aubrey. And as I said in last week's episode, like, Adam being on the show also makes the show a lot better. (laughs) I know that's bad to say, but it's wild to watch. So, Adam has Aubrey call Taylor to ask if she can see Paisley and... Taylor doesn't pick up, so he has Aubrey leave a message. Then Adam and his creepy friend take Aubrey roller roller skating. As you guys will remember, I'm pretty sure Adam was supposed to be having supervised visits at this point, right? <laughs> his parents are nowhere in sight. They're at Adam's place and they're roller skating. I don't really understand what was going on. But um, it's really cute. <laughs> Adam clearly is not a full-time dad or hands-on dad and understands like how to take a child that's four years old or five years old to the roller skating rink and he goes ahead of her and gets on the rink and then is like come on Aubrey and didn't understand that like when you're with a child like that you need to be behind them and like hold their hands to guide them on like I've never taken a child roller skating and I instinctively know that that's how you would take a child roller skating because that's how my parents parents my dad probably took me roller skating I vaguely remember him ice skating with me like that but that you need to guide the child onto the rink 
Poor Aubrey. Adam's standing in the rink, and he's trying to be like, okay, Aubrey. <laughs> this is so sad. <laughs> okay, Aubrey, come around. And Aubrey just eats shit immediately. And then he tries to, like, get her and pull her up and then bring her on. And Aubrey goes, <laughs> it was so cute. She <laughs> she goes, I don't think so. I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> she kept going, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> it was so sad and cute. But basically, Aubrey refuses to do it after that moment, which literally, who can blame her? Absolutely no one. She was terrified. So they end roller skating, and Adam is like, well, Taylor said I can't see Paisley today. Isn't that awful? And Aubrey's like, yeah. And he's like, let's call, let's call Aubrey. Let's, or let's call Taylor. Let's call her. So he has... Aubrey called Taylor, and Aubrey's like, can I see Paisley? And Taylor's like, oh, well, you know, maybe maybe we can make it work a different day, and you can talk to your daddy, and he'll figure it out. So we get a scene meeting of Chelsea meeting with Landon and maybe one of Landon's friends, and I the only thing I want to mention from there is that I really hate Chelsea's hair in this episode. It's very dry shampooed, and I just, I don't know. I don't like the red it is. Oh, I skipped over something. I'll go back to that. And um, at one point, Chelsea says, like, she goes, I didn't have work today, so I met Landon. And Landon, like, asked her, and she's like, well, I don't have that many appointments. And it's like, yeah, because you don't fucking work. But at one point, Chelsea goes with Aubrey to her preschool and has a little parent-teacher conference to talk about if Aubrey's ready for kindergarten. And the teacher says she's good and smart and kind. She just needs to work on her listening. Aubrey's really fucking cute. This is like peak cute Aubrey. I did notice that we also saw GoPros in Chelsea's car, even though the fourth wall had not been broken yet. And when Chelsea's telling Aubrey that her teacher said she did well in school, Aubrey smiles like right at the camera. So I think that was interesting. So Chelsea and Taylor have a phone call and Taylor had gone to court and apparently Adam got on the stand and just like completely lied. He told the court that Chelsea was totally fine with him having unsupervised visits. And Chelsea's like, what? Um, He also just straight up said that he didn't have Aubrey call Taylor. And Taylor's like, I still have the fucking voicemail. (laughs) But Taylor didn't get a chance to testify because I guess the court got continued. So, oh, I went really out of order. Sorry, guys. But while Chelsea's meeting with Landon, I thought it was interesting because she was talking about coal and she's like, well, I don't want to burden coal with all this. I just, I mean, we talk a little bit about it, but I don't really like to talk about it. And then she's like, I know if he had an ex, like I would hate, like if he had an ex, he had a kid with like, I would hate to listen to him talk about that all the time. And it's like, well, I think that was a bad precedent that she set with him. I think that it's reasonable not to like talk with him all the time, but I still think that she waited too long to let Colt in on the Adam stuff. And that's it on Chelsea. She's already getting boring at this point. Oh, who should I go to? All right, let's talk about Kale. I've actually recapped this before in the episode that I did with my dear friend, Aaron. We did like a Kale and Javi episode and we talked about this, but I, I'm just going to talk about it again because, you know, why not? We're here. Let's do it. So, Kale, this is the episode in which Kale goes to L.A. with Sterling's mom and Sterling. And it's kind of a iconic is not the right word, 
But I would say, like, one of those episodes in which, like, the fandom has remembered and it is really stuck in the minds of viewers and fandoms. And when we talk about Kale and Javi and their bad relationship, like, this is definitely one of the episodes that people will repeatedly bring up. It's it's just very memorable, I guess, what happened. But Kale and her friend Sterling go to L.A. I guess every year Kale's... Uh, Sterling's parents do, like, a trip to L.A. Her mom will do a girl's trip. I know that... I guess Sterling's parents are really rich because um, one year Sterling went... Or, God, why... I keep mixing up everyone's names. I'm sorry. One year, Kale went on that trip with Sterling, and they went to, like, the Grammys, which I guess her parents, like, bought tickets to. You can buy tickets to the Grammys, right? So I think they're just, like, those kind of rich people. And But this year, it's a girl's trip. Kale has her big-ass Vera Bradley, which, by the way, I want to inform everyone, I've officially graduated from my Vera Bradley. Um, I got a Bagu. Is that how you pronounce it? B-A-G-G-U. Cloud bag. I think that's what it's called, the cloud bag. I keep thinking it's called the airbag, but I think it's called the cloud bag. Um, it's one or the other. I had been eyeing it for a while, but I was like, I really don't need to spend $75 on this. It's like... It's cute, but, like, the old trusty Vera Bradley that I hate works very well, and it's a great size, and I just, I don't need to spend money on this, and then I saw that they were having their, like, final sale, and the bag was 50% off, so I bought it. It's not my favorite color that they offer. It's, like, a burnt orange, but it was worth the 50% off. It's actually way better than the Vera Bradley bag because it folds up. When it's not in use and it's like super, super lightweight and holds just as much stuff as the Vera did, which is the reason I kept the Vera Bradley bag because it was like the perfect weekend uh, size bag for me. But yeah, I'm thrilled. I have a new bag. I'm moving on up in the world. Kale's already driving that Benz. So her and Javi, you know, this is the season that the girls are making money. If you notice, everybody has Louis Vuitton bags, nice cars. Like this is like two seasons into them making money. This is season six. So you know, like, season four, you start to see them get a little bit of nicer stuff. Season five, they have, like, even nicer stuff. And by season six, they're making, like, real, real, real teen mom good money. So, Kale is worried that she's going to go to L.A. and he's going to, like, change his mind about her being there after the fact. And Javi is like, I'm only worried because I don't feel a connection between us. And this is, like, the theme of their marriage. And why they could never work out their issues and why it never worked. And that Javi didn't trust Kale because Kale was shady. And Kale was shady because she couldn't stand how controlling Javi was and that he didn't trust her. And their their flaws just really brought out the absolute worst in each other. And they really, like, could not be supportive of one another at all. And it was just really bad. So Kale's in L.A. and... Apparently, Javi is just, like, nonstop texting her. They're on this, like, guided tour of L.A. in this guy's car, and her phone just, like, won't stop chiming, and it's just Javi texting her and texting her and texting her. And I had a realization. I was like, well, why wouldn't she just put her phone on silent? And then I realized MTV probably edited in those sounds, and they weren't actually happening, would be my guess, because you'd have to be so fucking rude to not put your phone on silent in that situation where you're in a car with somebody, with a group of people on a tour of LA, and your phone will not stop going ding, ding, ding. But basically, Javi just, like, will not, he will not leave her alone. We get a, a shot of the screen, and it's like, 
hi, are you there? Why won't you answer? And Sterling is like, this is really, really annoying. And Kale, you know, sarcastically is like, well, I'm not allowed to go on trips without my job or without my kids or my husband. We find out the next day that Javi texted her all night. Um, Sterling and Kale are sitting at brunch. I guess Kale wanted to extend her trip by a day, which like set Javi the fuck off. And he flipped out on her. Uh, at one point, Sterling had to take Kale's phone from her because Kale was crying and wouldn't stop engaging with it. And Sterling definitely is at that point where I know I've been, I think, I think I'm this person in the friendship and I attract a lot of friends who do this type of stuff. So I'm like the real Sterling in this situation where you have this friend who's in this toxic relationship and you're the one that they talk to about it. But then you start to realize like how fucking annoying they are about it and how they're fully engaged in the toxicity and how like you thought it was all the like their boyfriend or husband or whatever their fault. And then you realize like how much they play into it. (laughs) I think that's where Sterling was because Sterling was like, I'm not mad at you because Javi texts you. Like, why would I be mad at you about that? Like, where I'm annoyed is that you will not stop texting him back and you keep engaging with it. And Kale says, and I don't think she's necessarily wrong here. And I understand, like, what she's trying to say. Because Kale's like, Sterling, that's my husband. Like, it's really hard to not engage with him. And that I get. What Kale's trying to say is, like, yeah, it's. But by the way, I'm pretty sure Sterling is married or was married. I think she got divorced. But at this point, she is married. I think Sterling and Kale met on Kale and Javi's honeymoon. Like, I think they were all on their honeymoons or on vacations and they met together. I'm pretty 99% sure that's how they met. But Sterling is like, I, I know he's your husband, but like, you won't stop engaging with him. And I get what Kale's saying when she's like, it's so much easier to, it's easy to sit here and say like, just tell Javi to fuck off, like, it doesn't matter, and I'll stop texting with him, but I'm the one that has to, like, go home to him, and I'm the one that has to live with him, and I'm the one that has to be part of this relationship, and I think that that is, like, the crux of every friendship ending over a bad relationship, right, is where, at least speaking from, well, yeah, for both the people, like, at, at a certain point, the friend gets fucking sick of hearing it, and the person in the relationship just isn't ready to change their relationship and isn't ready to leave and basically won't won't stop the toxicity and so the friendship kind of pulls away. Now Sterling and Kale stayed pretty close and I think they're close. I don't know. You know how Kale is with friends. She's like hot and cold with friends. But Sterling has been pretty consistently her friend this whole time. But I get why Kale feels like it's so much easier said than done to just say not text him because what, like, I think where Kale's sitting, it's like, okay, so I don't answer him and then I get home and we get into this even bigger fight than we'll have right now. And where Kale, where, where Sterling is, she's like, yeah, that's what I'd rather you do than you ruin our trip. Because Kale, like, ruined this whole trip because she couldn't have any fun. She was on her phone the whole time. She's crying over Javi. Um, Javi was texting her, like, and they showed us the screenshot, and it's like, your kids are here, you don't need to stay so long, you're a bad mom, you need to think about your family. Like, Javi was fucking awful, like, calling her a bad mom because she wants to stay an extra day, and this is, like, pre-Kale actually traveling, and to me, this kind of, like, 
I don't know. This gave a lot of context to me for Kale, like, traveling so much now and doing so much stuff without her kids. Is because that's, like, what she always wanted to do. And Javi shaming her for wanting to spend, like, five full days away is so sick. It's really, it's not right. And he was such an asshole. And I see why Kale now is, like, wants to be so footloose and fancy free because she just could not be that way in her marriage. Kale is... Like, not even sure why he's bringing up her being a mom. Or, no, Sterling says that. She's like, yeah, but you were a mom before him, and you can be a mom after him. And Kale says, well, he doesn't think that I can, like, be a single mom to two kids. Which is funny, because now she's a single mom to three kids. (laughs) Whoops. Speaking of Javi, Lauren, his fiancé, is selling Aubon. How do you say that, MLM? Arborn? Aubon? Whatever. And... It's really annoying to watch on social media, and she posted a screenshot that I meant to post to my Instagram, but I didn't for some reason, where she compared being an MLM seller to to somebody owning a Chick-fil-A franchise, and it's like, bitch, that's not the same thing. <laughs> so silly. So, so, so silly. So, Kale says that their relationship is just a broken record. They just keep fighting about the same thing over and over and over again. And she just doesn't want this to be her life for 10 years. Which, yeah, agreed. So Kale comes home to LA. She calls Sterling in the car on her drive home from Philly to Delaware. And Sterling, or Kale's like, I'm really embarrassed because I know I upset your mom. And Sterling's like... You didn't upset anyone, but, like, you let Javi ruin your time. And Kale starts crying, which is, I don't know, this conversation was pretty manipulative of Kale's. Kale, but I I understand, like, why she felt so frustrated and she was mad at herself, but, like, couldn't admit it, I guess. Um, Kale's crying because she's like, I just can't help it. I just can't help how bad my relationship is. And she's like, I feel uncomfortable even seeing you again. I don't want to see you guys again for a while because I'm, like, so embarrassed by how I behaved. And Sterling's like, wait, what? Like, nobody nobody's thought that or said that. Like, you don't need to feel that way. And Kale's like, I honestly, like, I can't talk to you and hangs up. I'm like, it was just, like, such a picture of how exhausting it must be to be friends with Kale when she's, like, not in a good way. Because you just spent this whole vacation, like, comforting her and telling her, like, she should leave her husband and like she can leave her husband and that she deserves better it ruins your whole trip then she calls you when she gets when she lands and then cries about how embarrassed she is and then hangs up the phone on you because she's mad at herself that's exhausting so she calls Javi and basically is like I thought I was going to be able to come home and we could just like act like everything was okay but I just talked to Sterling and I ruined the whole trip I'm so embarrassed I won't be able to forget about this and this is all your fault this is like now my life is being affected not just our relationship and you're ruining my friendships and I can't just come home and basically it's all the the gist of it is that she's like deeply embarrassed and she's humiliated and feels like she let Javi humiliate her. I think she's very mad about that. And it's tough to watch. Like this, oh, this episode is just like the number one reason why Kale and Javi will never work in a relationship. And watching it, it's like, oh, those two should never, ever be together. They're so bad together. 
All right, let's talk about Janelle. Janelle actually had, like, a pretty low-key episode, even though she screams at Barb in this episode. She doesn't fight with Nate, really. So it was what I would call (laughs) low-key. So basically, the big theme of this episode is that Barb has gets served with the full custody papers. This is, like, the initiation of the fight for Jace that her and Barb had for, like, the next two years, three years, I don't know, until she eventually got those unsupervised visits every other weekend and the holiday. That was, what, like, two years ago? So they ended up, it took a long fucking time. Like, a long, long, long time. And I actually, like, kind of don't disagree with Janelle that there needed to be, like, something set in stone because it wasn't great what Barbara was doing where she'd be mad at Janelle so she wouldn't let Jace go over there when she wasn't mad at Janelle she would let Jace go over there like that's not healthy that's not good for Jace it's not good for Janelle it's not good for Barbara like those two needed something set in stone but obviously like Janelle was never gonna get custody and never should get custody Janelle's been talking non-stop about when she gets custody of Jace back lately so this episode was like a real It was like, oh, this was five years ago now, four years ago now. I don't know how old. They're like on what, season 10? And this was season six. So this episode was quite old. Kaiser, yeah, this must have been 2015. This was 2015. So this was four years ago. And she's literally saying the same exact thing today. When I get Jace back, when I get Jace back, I'm not going to let my mom see him. She's been talking nonstop about when she gets custody of Jace and how she's going to be getting custody of Jace soon. And it's like, probably not. <laughs> Although, God, you know, I shouldn't even say that because God only fucking knows with Janelle. This time in six months, we could be talking about how Janelle got full custody of Jace. Like, at this point, I just wouldn't be shocked by anything. Although I think that would be extremely, extremely hard because they did agree in mediation to that, that custody uh, schedule. And she would have to show, like, a substantial change in circumstances that would warrant her then getting full custody of Jace with her having full discretion over everything in his life and Barb having no power. And I don't understand how she could possibly do that, considering everything that's happened. (laughs) But she also got her kids back with no, like, no more CPS oversight. So who fucking knows with Janelle? Um, Janelle's mad because Jace has a school conference and Barb scheduled it when she knew that Janelle had school. And her, she wants to be like conferenced in during the conference, conferenced in during the conference so that she can know what the teacher's saying. She calls Barb and I thought it was funny. Barb picked up the phone and she goes, I'm in the store. What do you want? (laughs) Janelle's like, well, why are you having this meeting? And Barbara says that the teacher says that Jace isn't cooperating. He's being bad. And Janelle's like, okay, well, why didn't you schedule it for Friday when you know I'm off? And Barbara's like, well, today is my day off. So I had to schedule it today. And honestly, kind of fair enough to Janelle, other than I'm going to be fair to Barbara. Janelle's like, well, why did you even ask me what my days off were if you weren't going to schedule them? But I'm guessing Barb asked her to see if they had a coordinating day off And if they did have a coordinating day off, then she would schedule it for that day. But because they didn't, she obviously had to default to her day off, not Janelle's. Um, Janelle's like pissed, like, why did you even ask? And Barbara, (laughs) Barbara goes, well, I had the papers come for the lawyer and you can't see Jace. (laughs) 
And it's like, what? Like, how did we get here? (laughs) These two are, like, high-key toxic to each other in this episode. Janelle says, and I actually agree with her here. She says, I want to know why some weekends it's okay for me to have him. And then as soon as you get mad at me, you don't let me see him. And Barb's like, oh, I don't want to talk about this right now. And Janelle's like, you know what, dude? I'm so fucking done with you. Fuck you. When I get custody, you'll never see him. You're just a grandparent and that's all all you'll ever be. Which is... Yikes. (laughs) Yikes, yikes, yikes. Uh, Janelle's like, get a lawyer. Because guess what, sweetheart? I'm going to test clean when you say that I'm on drugs and I'm going to school and I'm going to get him. What a mess. What a nightmare. Barb's like, you know what? I'm not doing this. And Janelle's like, yes, you are. And demands again to be on the conversation for school. And Barb is like, no, well, well, not if you act this way. And hangs up on her. Oh, Janelle also says, accuses her that she doesn't, Barb doesn't want Janelle on the conference call thing because she, Barb is just going to talk shit about her to the teacher, which like it's probably true that she would talk shit about her, but I don't think that's Barb's main motivation. So it's later in the day and Barb does allow her to be on speaker during the call <laughs> because that's what these two do. Janelle calls and curses up Barb and Barb rewards her or withholds all, all attention from her. Oh, they're so toxic. This was like Barb and Janelle at their toxic best. So they talk about the fact that Jace has a hard time paying attention in school. And Janelle's like, well, my boyfriend thinks he's ADD. And Barb's like, they already said he doesn't have ADD. But I think now he does have, like, an extreme ADHD diagnosis. I think they've talked about him having an ADHD diagnosis now. Um, Barb says that he has a lot of trouble going back and forth. And Janelle, on speakerphone to the teacher, completely unhinged from reality, says... Well, when he's at my house, he's completely fine. But for some reason, when she goes, when he goes back to my mom's house, he thinks he can do whatever he wants. Okay. First of all, to frame it that way, when he goes, when he's at my house, he's fine. And when he goes back to my mom's house, he thinks he can do whatever he wants is really insane when he spends at this point, like one weekend a month with you. That's like what you say about, like, it should be obviously opposite. Like, Barbara says, like, well, when he goes to your house, he thinks he can do whatever, and then it's hard for me to parent him when he comes home. Like, for Janelle to frame Barbara's house as the other house is really crazy, not right, unhinged. (laughs) Classic, classic Janelle. Barbara's like, well, I think it's more serious than that, and... That the teacher doesn't think that he will do well in public school and should stay in his charter school. And Janelle's like, oh, well, you know, like, we have charter schools here. And, like, I'm not getting custody for, like, another six months to a year. So, it's fine. Like, we're not moving him right away. (laughs) It's just such a crazy call because Janelle is talking like she does any parenting to Jace. And at this point, especially, because Barb does withhold Jace a lot, like, she does no parenting to Jace. She sees him quite rarely it's so funny she's imagine being the teacher and like you have to deal with barb and then janelle's on speakerphone and the two of them are fighting about like whose house jace lives at and where he should go to school and you just like oh god i'm sure teachers see stuff like that or parents fighting all the time but i just i can't imagine it so nate comes home and i don't know where nate was because nate doesn't have a job at this point But 
Janelle is saying, like, she talks about the conversation, and she's like, well, I brought up his ADD. And Nate's like, yeah, I've been saying he has ADD all along. And Janelle's like, I know, I told him that my boyfriend said that. So Janelle talks about how she wants full custody. Basically, Janelle hearing the word stability come out of Barb's mouth, like, really triggered her. And she's bitching to Nate that she's not going to let Barb see Jace ever. And Nate decides, okay, Nate is right here. But I'll tell you what's wrong with with Nate and why he's saying it. Nate here is like, well, you know, like, of course we're going to let Jace see Barb. Like, he has to see Barb every other weekend. And Janelle's like, what? No, once a month. And Nate's like, we can't just, like, rip Jace out of the only home he's ever known. It has to be a slow transition. And he's, like, Nate's 100% right. And he's saying, like, well, just because she did it to you doesn't mean that, like, we need to do it to her. Two wrongs don't make a right. That type of thing. And Nate's, or Janelle's like, where the fuck is this coming from? She's like, this has been the plan the whole time. Like, what are you talking about? Like, why aren't you on my side? And the reason that I think Nate's wrong here isn't because what he's saying is wrong, because of course he's 100% right if in some fantasy world that Janelle got full custody of Jace. Like, of course Barbara would need to see him every other weekend, and it would need to be a transition, and Janelle shouldn't just be allowed to bar Barbara from seeing Jace. But Nate has spent the last however long he's known Janelle at this point, like, saying fuck Barbara, we're not going to let Barb see Jace, we're going to be the ones that decide when Barb sees Jace, Jace doesn't need Barb, he only needs us, like, for the last two years, and then all of a sudden, the cameras are on, and Janelle's frustrated, and Nate's like, oh, well, we can't do that, and that's, like, how Nate is, and that's what, like, frustrates me when a lot of people support Nate, and they don't seem to realize that Nate is really good at doing this thing where he, like, will hype people up and get them get them to like kind of act crazy or do crazy things and then once they're doing it and they're reacting to it his thing is to be like I don't I don't know why you're upset like why are you upset why are you saying that of course we wouldn't do that and it may I mean it's gaslighting he's making Janelle feel like she's crazy because all of a sudden he feels completely differently than he ever did oh Nate's such an asshole I fucking hate Nate so much I just I really hate him But I am going to miss Nate and Janelle in the show. (laughs) All right, let's go to Queen, Queen Leah. So, we get a scene of Addie wearing the funniest little hat. Like, I can't can't understand her hat. It's so silly. So, Leah has lunch with a friend and tries to explain that Corey wants him during the week. And she's like, it just doesn't make sense. Their schedule now is really stable and they need to be in my house. They need to be in my house during the week. And... Leah says, like, Corey's always breathing down her neck, and her gut instinct of this custody request is that something isn't right about the Sunday through Wednesday request. But she wants to try and keep the peace. So she goes to see her lawyer. Her lawyer's name is Lynn, spelled L-Y-N-E, by the way. And Leah's wearing crazy makeup. She has, like, this dark eyeshadow, like, up to her eyebrows. (laughs) She looks really crazy. She's trying to explain to the lawyer what Corey asked for and has the... Seems to be having trouble explaining it, and I think the lawyer's confused, and obviously the lawyer's not getting, like, <laughs> the full story here, because the lawyer's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why does he want them during the school week? And Leah's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then the lawyer's like, well, I mean, I don't think he should have them during the school week. I think that, like, they should just be at your house during the school week, like the judge ordered. Like, what do you think? And Leah goes, well, you know, like... 
I have been tardy. I do have trouble waking up to an alarm. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that obviously the lawyer had no clue that Leah was a drug addict, that Leah wasn't getting the girls to school, that Leah wasn't taking Allie to her appointments. Leah's lawyer, Lynn, says that the judge decided that the girls should be in one house during the week and that she doesn't see any reason why that would change and that Leah should tell Corey no, which I think is the right advice from the lawyer. Like, I understand why the lawyer gave her that advice because it's not like Leah went in there and said, well... I have, this girls have been late to school 20 times this year, Allie's missed 15 appointments or whatever the case was, and Corey is basically going to take me to court because I've missed all this stuff, or I can give him this, this schedule. I think if Leah had really honestly presented the situation and, like, really laid out how much school the girls had missed, or how often they were late, how many appointments Allie had missed, that the lawyer may have said well, this isn't great, and if he takes it to court, we may get a custody switch, which is what ended up happening, and it's probably better for us to just give in to the Sunday through Wednesday schedule. Even, like, I don't understand this. The lawyer's like, well, what was his work schedule? Why would he want the girls that day? Which is what Dawn says, but it's like, the girls are at school. Like, (laughs) it's not about Corey seeing them more. He wants the stability Obviously, Leah did not present the full story to the lawyer. I really do think if she had given them the full story, the lawyer probably would have told her to give some give some extra days to Corey to avoid going back to court because going to court did not work out for well for Leah in the end. So Leah tells us that Gracie is stick stick sick and takes her to the doctor the doctor and she's like well grace is really sick so i just didn't have time to take Allie to the to her physical therapy appointment in the voiceover except Corey calls and leah has a friend over and it's like i mean you had time like you had time you should have called Corey if leah couldn't get the girl to the appointment like then she should have called Corey. she should have called miranda she should have called her mom she called her sister like leah had a lot of people that she could call and she's missing appointment after appointment So, Corey calls, and Leah's, like, she's high as fuck, first of all. Her eyes are barely open. And, or, no, she calls Corey. I forget. She doesn't, Corey doesn't call. And she's, like, well, I don't want to split the weeks. And she's, like, the girls need a stable place. And Corey goes, you think your place is stable? (laughs) Leah just opened that door and said, come right on in. Come on in, y'all. Let's talk about it. And Lee goes, well, yeah, like, I think both our homes are stable. I don't think your place is any more stable than mine. And Corey goes, really? And Leah's like, yeah. And Corey's like, Leah, you can't get the girls to school. And you can't get them to physical therapy. And Leah goes, Corey, now you can sit here and you can judge me. You can sit here and you can judge me all you want. (laughs) I posted a clip of it on my Instagram because she says set instead of sit like three times. I know it's just her accent, but it just sounds so funny because she sounds so serious. And Corey's like, okay, well, did Allie go to physical therapy today? Because I know she didn't go to physical therapy today. And Leah's like, well, she didn't go because Gracie was puking all over. Um, 
And Corey's like, okay, but there's always a reason. And Leah's like, well, are you here? Are you here? Do you see what's going on? And I just thought that was a funny thing for her to say because Corey's whole thing is like, he's not there and he wants to be there. (laughs) Corey calls Leah a fake ass mom, which was a low blow. He shouldn't have went there. And she starts screaming, shut up. She's like, you run your mouth. That's all you do. And Corey's like, so the kids are around while you're screaming. She's like, oh, yeah, they can hear you cussing, too. And it's like, well, they can't because, like, you're he she doesn't have him on speakerphone. And, of course, the cameraman pans right to the girls. We get a, we get a scene of the girls in earshot watching and listening to her. And Corey goes, well, the kids tell me that you say the F word a lot. And Leah's like, yeah, yeah. Well, they tell me stuff about you, too. Yeah, they tell me stuff about you. And Corey's like, they tell me about how you and Jeremy fight so much that they have to go hide in the laundry room because they're scared. And Leah starts screaming. I love a screaming Leah. I love it. I miss Leah screaming. Leah screaming's so fun. She's like, come on more with your lies and your bullshit. I'm standing up for myself. Fuck you. <laughs> And then she ends the phone call by saying, all right, later, bye, you stupid piece of shit. (laughs) Ah, incredible. So we get a scene of Corey and Miranda at their house, and Corey talks to Miranda, and she's like, well, Leah's not going to own up to anything. Leah isn't going to do this. Like, Leah says her house is stable, and Miranda's like, "Mm mm-hmm, sure sounds stable. And Corey's like, I just don't understand, like, all we want is for the girls to go to school and for Allie to go to the doctor. Like, we're not asking for a lot. Like, why doesn't Leah want that? And basically says, like, Leah won't admit that there's a problem or ask for help because she's just too prideful. And she is, like, too obsessed with seeming like a perfect mom. And she can't admit that there's, like, any issues with her parenting. Um, Miranda's like, I don't understand. Like, if Grace was sick, why wouldn't she text me and ask me if I could drive Allie to her appointment? Like, there was lots of options, and she didn't do any of them. And they talk about how Leah just, like, won't admit to shit, won't ask for help. Corey says that the girls tell him that Mommy and Jeremy fight so much, and they get really scared, and they lock themselves in the laundry room. And he said, you know, Leah can tell me all she wants, but, like, I hear what those girls are saying, and I believe them over Leah. And I, I thought that was... A good way to say it. I thought that made a lot of sense. I agreed with him. As we all know, Corey was 100% in the right with all of this. And Miranda's like, well, you know, Leah, she never does anything wrong. <laughs> uh, Corey says, deep down, Leah has to know she's not the best mom and that she's fucking up and she's making mistakes. And he just wonders what it's going to take for her to get her shit together and for her to admit it. So, yeah, that's it. This is like a hodgepodge of an episode. Current events, a new episode, an old episode. But I kind of like doing it this way. I hope you guys liked it. I hope everybody has a good week. I think I'm going to take off next week, by the way. I'm going out of town next week, and I have something on Thursday night. So I'd have to record on Wednesday, which I might do. But I think I haven't taken off in a while. You know, a little summer break would be nice. So I'll let you guys know. But if you don't hear an episode next week, That's why it's because I'm just taking a week break. Anyway, love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. 
Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.